This is Skin Deep with Karina Tolan. A podcast about what's next. You grow, you heal, and you help others. So you're very welcome to this week's episode of Skin Deep by Karina Tolan. I'm really excited to have my guest here with me today. Robin is a client of mine. Um, we have had great chats um, over the years, chatting about certain things that she works with. Um, Robin is a qualified nurse. Five years ago, she stepped away from medical nursing and stepped into the lifestyle clinic. Um, I'm going to leave you with Robin here just to tell you a little bit more about um, her work and what she does on a daily basis. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my um, pleasure. So my name is Robin and I am a registered nurse, nutritionist and qualified personal trainer. And about five years ago, I qualified as a nurse and I had been diagnosed with a heart condition when I was 12 or 13 and kind of as a result, rebelled a little bit. My lifestyle was quite poor and kind of did everything that I wasn't supposed to do. And as a result, my health kind of declined. And it wasn't until I was 17 or 18 that I realised the impact that my lifestyle was having on my own health. And then I became really interested in the external factors and things that we can do to kind of prevent health and how what we do every day makes a difference alongside traditional medicine and obviously the, the things your doctor will recommend. Um, so when I was nursing, I kind of decided that I wanted to study nutrition because I think it plays a massive role in, in how we feel every day and, and food. Food is so many things. It's for health, it's for comfort, it's, it's really important. So I wanted to learn about it and hopefully be able to pass it on to patients and and myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I began studying nutrition after I'd qualified and I was working full time. And my goal was always to incorporate the two together. Like I really wanted to have the medical side and then bring nutrition into it. Okay. And I didn't really know how I was gonna do it. It was kind of just an idea in my head and yeah. something I would have really liked to do. And eventually when I'd finished the course, I kind of said, you know what, I'm just gonna start taking clients and see where it goes. Um, my dream was to always have kind of a multidisciplinary approach, so kind of a GP, a nutritionist, a nurse, um, kind of CBT, like all aspects. So for like health isn't just one dimension, like there's so many different aspects to it. So I wanted to be able to have somewhere to go where, okay, I can help you with your nutrition, the GP can help you if you need a referral, mm-hmm. we can help you if you need something with your mental health. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the dream. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's kind of a term for it is lifestyle medicine. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of becoming more and more popular over the last few years, I think. Yeah. Um, so then in October last year, I opened the clinic, the Lifestyle Clinic. Brilliant. And since then, it's been going really well. Like, we moved into a GP practice in Swords, God, I think we're there for four months. Excellent. Um, so it's good. Like, we're doing kind of referrals based on mm-hmm. if patients have high cholesterol or I see a lot of people with a history of disordered eating or kind of eating disorders. I work with them alongside their therapist. So it's good. It's so interesting. Like, it's different all the time. But yeah, it's, of course. I like it because it means that you have the backup of other healthcare professionals. Like no one's ever going to know everything, mm-hmm. so it's nice. And you're to there, be. like in a supporting yeah, role. So yeah, so it's great. Like it. if I have something I need to ask, a GP is there, and they're learning off me too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because mm-hmm. if they can be passing on information to their patients about nutrition that I can give them, it's going to benefit them as well. Yeah. So it's great. And would you find that people's diet and nutrition is nearly a direct reflection of their lifestyle and their health? Yeah, I mean, like, I think one of the most important things about nutrition is education. And mm-hmm. at the moment, there is a lot of information out there and it can be really confusing. Like, I know we could list off probably 10 different diets with different rules. Yes. And there's so many different foods we're told not to eat and then we're told to eat them. And it's just a minefield. So I think sure. education is so important. Yeah. Um, and that's what I try and do even if people come into the clinic. It's like, well, I just, I'm going to talk to you as if you know nothing about food. Yeah. There's no point in me telling you what to eat and you don't know why. You need to understand it and then you can kind of hopefully go with that for life mm-hmm. um, and things like 
say for example I had someone with high cholesterol kind of a, a, an immediate reaction is oh, I need to cut down on my fats yeah. and yes there are certain fats we can cut down on but there's also so much we can add into your diet yeah, so yeah. it's very much it's a, a lifestyle change and, and additions that we can make rather than stuff we need to cut out yeah, um, yeah. so it's yeah it's really important and again like relationships with food mm. over the years you know I think of course they all stem from childhood and we're going to definitely touch on that today but I know with a lot of my clients they associate Food, of course, but weight and, you know, being overweight or being underweight or not feeling good about themselves and then maybe binge eating and, mm-hmm. like you said, fad diets or counting calories and macros and sins. And what what way do you think is, like, the best approach to that? Like, the relationship with food, should we associate food with our waistline? Should we not? So I think, so what I always recommend is kind of looking at a non-diet approach. So if we look at a diet... Like, we know diets work. Like, if you mm-hmm. are in a calorie deficit, you're eating less than your yeah. body needs, you're going to lose mm-hmm. weight. Mm-hmm. But what we don't see with, like, the six and the eight-week transformations is what happens after. Yeah, of course. And a lot of the time, we gain the weight back. Yeah. And you also have damage to your relationship yeah. with food, too. Yeah. So if you do a non-diet approach, and just focus on what you can add in. Yeah. Like, instead of trying to remove everything from your diet, and then you feel really restricted, yeah. and that actually leads to binge yeah. eating, and it can lead to... To just being really unhappy and yeah, like of food food plays such an important role we eat every day if yeah. you're not enjoying it yeah it's going to be really hard to maintain yeah. so what can you add into your diet to make it more beneficial yeah and it's also about the fact that you're not a bad person if you eat a food you consider to be mm-hmm. unhealthy and mm-hmm. that's something i think we're going to talk about hopefully is the the moral terms associated with foods like good versus bad mm-hmm. and like when you eat a good food of course you feel good but when you eat a bad food you consider to be bad you feel badly about yourself afterwards. Yeah, like you don't need to. Like mm. all food fits. Yeah, yeah. You know, and some yes will have a, a bigger benefit on our health, but there's also emotional things. Like you know, if you have a crazy day in work, you want to come home, and maybe you want a bag of crisps and a glass of wine. Like yeah. all food fits, and it's okay to include. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to restrict yourself. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's how we can establish a way of eating for life. Yeah, you know, and and it's uh, the hard work is removing those judgmental terms and. Do you think like we should consider food as fuel and yes. take the emotional yeah. attachment to it? Yeah. I know for me, I kind of educated myself about five, six years ago on food and I was given this incredible ability to basically ha- control my diet and as opposed to before that, I, I just wasn't really educated. I guess it, and I have always said education is power. Mm-hmm. So I did a six-week transformation and what I learned in that was what foods made me feel good and what foods made me feel bad? Yep. Do you know, without even realising, like it was only when I stopped eating bread for so long and then I just reintroduced bread, it actually, I found it so hard to digest yeah. it. Yeah. And I felt it was as if my body had just got free from eating all that wheat and it didn't like it. And then when I, when I, it was like in the Titanic when the, the ship was told to reverse, suddenly it was under severe pressure. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how my body felt. It was like I threw in this loaf of bread, it was absolute convenience and bread for me is always convenience yeah. food. You know, it's that quick sandwich, it's that quick slice of toast in the evening mm. but I genuinely feel like crap after eating it and I know I'm putting my body under pressure and I don't believe I'm allergic to it but I think I am slightly intolerant and maybe I think we all are yeah. a little bit intolerant of wheat or, or maybe our bodies just find it a little bit more harder to digest yeah. and then other things that like I learned that you know if I wanted to tighten up my diet I would lose weight Joe you know? and I think I think it's important that um 
you know you have that control too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that, like, food doesn't need to control you. Mm-hmm. Do you know, you can decide what it is that what you want to put into your body. If it's more like a mathematical thing, and as opposed to sitting there, and I think with emotional eating, like we can find that we have the pizza night and we have the crisp night, but if we've had five of them in a row, yeah. it's kind of becoming a problem. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really important as well. I think the thing with emotional eating is. There's food is emotional. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it, when you're a baby and you cry, you get a bottle. If yes. you win a competition, you might go for a pizza or there's food at funerals, there's food at weddings. Yes. But when food is your only coping mechanism, that's when we need to take a step back and say, okay, right, what can we do to replace food for you? Because a pizza is going to make you feel better temporarily, but if there's something deeper going on, it's only going to temporarily fill that void. Yeah. You've still got to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And a lot of the time... If you're constantly reaching for food, it's a sign that you need to maybe look deeper. And address something yeah. else. Like yeah. food is great. And sometimes food, like you come home and you need something tasty and you want a piece yeah. of cake or you want crisps yeah. or whatever it is. Like yeah. It's just, it's what you need yeah. and that's perfectly okay. But if it's happening all the time and it's your way of coping with stress or with loneliness, then you need to look underneath it. Yeah. So what can you put in place? And I think that's important for kids as well. Mm. Um, that we're kids, when we, when we talk about food... Think, talk to them about how great food is. Like food is energy. Food helps them concentrate in school. Food mm-hmm. helps them grow. Mm-hmm. Helps them be strong. Mm-hmm. Food is for nourishment. It's for satisfaction. Comfort and emotional things we can deal with in a different way. Like they're so important, but there's yeah. other ways we can do it. Food doesn't always have to be a way to cope. Yeah. Because know? I think instinctively as a mom, you know, to make your kids feel yeah, better, they yeah. fall outside, you yeah. bring them in and you make them, I don't know, some crackers or stuff. And you say, sit up there, now you're going to feel much better. Yeah. And then Q25, you break up with your boyfriend, there's Ben and Jerry's on yes. your knee. Yes, of course. Yeah. And that's, oh, totally okay. Yeah. I think sometimes you need that. Yeah, absolutely. But you need whatever it is that's going to make you feel good. Exactly. But it's important about being to be able to identify what you're feeling as well. So mm-hmm. the, the tub of chunky monkey or fish food is mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. It can be really mm-hmm. helpful. Sometimes you just need to sit there, mm-hmm. cry your eyes out mm-hmm. and have the ice cream. Mm-hmm. But if you need to do that every single day, the, you need to learn how to focus and to channel your emotions differently. And, and it's something bigger, like maybe you need to go and talk to a therapist or maybe it's getting outside and doing some form of self-care that you love and that mm. makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, I read, have you ever read Oprah's What I Know For Sure? No, but I'm obsessed with oh. Oprah and I need to do this. It's I need brilliant. to read this book. So she talks about it and how her weight has always been spiritual. It's been a big thing for her though. Yeah. She's struggled with weight all yeah. her life. But she said it's so spiritual for her and when she doesn't do her non-negotiables, so they're the things she has to do every day to fill herself up, to make okay. herself feel better, she she turns to food. Right. So food, it just, it's the thing that fills that void for her. And she knows it's a pattern. And okay. she's like, yes, it still happens because we can't always eat really mm-hmm. well. Like mm-hmm. life is busy, but she's no judgment towards herself now. She's like, this is okay. I know I just need to go back to doing my self-care bits. What makes me feel, feel good. That's not food. Which is you know? basically where she has replaced what she was using food for. Yeah. So that's really what's key. It's to find, yeah. I don't know, maybe something else to give you those endorphins yeah, yeah. what and do you love like what makes you feel good yeah you know like your hobbies what like for some people it could be walking in nature it could be meditation it could be just going for a coffee with a friend like what what makes you feel good like yeah. if you're feeling lonely the, the fish food isn't going to make you feel less lonely meeting a friend or, or reaching out to someone is going to make you feel less lonely you know there's so many things we can do but being able to identify it is I think that's what's key, yeah. is to know that maybe you're nearly medicating with food, yeah. you know, and using food to make you feel better, yeah. and where you could maybe join a club or mm-hmm. yeah. do all those other things. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so, so important. Yeah. And even like I had a, a lovely girl in clinic last year, but she had moved from abroad. She was from um, Spain and she had moved to Ireland and it was mm -hmm. a massive, it was such a stressful event where she knew nobody mm -hmm. um, and where she came from in Spain. It was kind of in the suburbs, like there mm -hmm. wasn't much around. So food had always been a comfort for her. Like she, when she felt lonely, she would turn to food. Um, as so many of us as do, it's, it's a natural reaction. Mm. Um, but when she came over here, she really struggled to find something to replace food. And she found that she was kind of overeating a lot during the week and mm -hmm. she was worried and then beating herself up about it. Mm -hmm. But it was just, she needed to look underneath and say, right, how can I put myself out there? So mm -hmm. she, we went on to research like different activities that she really enjoyed. Like mm -hmm. I think she went on the Ross Purse or the Hype Life to Brilliant. try and meet people yeah. and joined. Like she does CrossFit now. Mm -hmm. That fills her up. Yeah, I know. think the wonderful thing about if you can find replacing what exercise is, oh, yeah. you are burning calories. Yeah. So it's going to help if there is still some emotional eating going on. Yeah. And then maybe does exercising and working hard in that respect make you more aware of what you're eating? Yeah. Because, you know, you know you're accountable now. Yeah. And you have the endorphins. Mm. Like exercise makes you feel good no matter what the type. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one thing I always say is like exercise for enjoyment. Like when we take on exercise, say we start a diet on a Monday and we pick a form of exercise that might burn the most calories. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's going to create a bigger deficit, but it's part of the diet. Mm -hmm. And when the diet ends, the exercise often ends. So mm -hmm. if you find something that you, like you love weights, mm -hmm. I really enjoy weights as well. Yeah. There's other people who walk in, like hiking, they love. Yeah. Whatever you enjoy, yeah. you can stick to it long term. Yeah, you know? Like exercise doesn't have to be a punishment it could yeah. be something that just makes you feel good yeah and to be able to see it that way i think is the biggest part of it absolutely i think when you make that mind switch mm -hmm. that you know you're not doing exercise because you have to but because yeah. you want to yeah exactly. you know and that you are chasing those endorphins yeah. and that feel good and even after your body mm. and like your mental health as well like sometimes if you're really stressed out going to the gym or going on a walk or just doing something moving mm -hmm. it can really make you feel a lot better mm -hmm. oh totally even just that time out to yourself mm -hmm. yeah. you know no phone no talking and um yeah. i know for me particularly I, I love that feeling of being under pressure with a weight mm -hmm. you know i can't run i just oh god <laughs> if you ask me to run yeah. it's like hell on earth for yeah. me and anytime i did i didn't do like 10k a few years ago every kilometer i yeah. felt and that's why see, you couldn't stick to it because you don't no. enjoy it and i'm the same if you were to tell me to run as my exercise i'd never do it no because i don't enjoy it yeah so you found something yeah. that you actually yeah you like and that's yeah weights. i love weights i love i love that feeling of and then i'm very competitive so mm -hmm. with weights you can be competitive with yourself i guess maybe with running as well because you're always trying to run further yeah. Yeah. and faster mm -hmm. but weights i was always trying to lift heavier and lift heavier and then of course i got into competitive weight lifting yeah. um, but also, I love that feeling of getting strong. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, I love the idea that, you know, at nighttime, you know, when I had good muscle mass, I was burning calories when I slept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your whole body just is healthier when yeah. it's feeding a lot of muscle yeah. as opposed to a lot of fat. And we just feel better. I think even our, our gut feels better, our digestive system feels better. And yeah. yeah. um, I find with exercise, I, you know, my whole digestion, and I guess because it's working all the muscles, all the I organs. Mean, it's, it's the movement, mm -hmm. you know, and one of the biggest health risks, and like nutrition is important, but physical activity is like, to have some form of physical activity and to just be less sedentary, like even if you're at a desk job, so say mm -hmm. if you're working in an office, so I remember when I was in college and I was sitting at a desk, mm -hmm. all done, being sedentary is, like does have quite a negative effect on our health if mm -hmm. we don't kind of incorporate some form of movement mm -hmm. as well so i always say even if you're at your desk you can just get up and walk around 
Like even if you've been sitting there for a few hours, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to walk to the toilet. I don't actually need to go, but just yeah. to be up and to be moving. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there's little ways we can increase our activity all the time. It doesn't have to be a chore, mm. you know, just to, and we feel better. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you've been sitting all day, if you're mm. on flight, like your body just feels achy and you're kind yeah, of like stiff. Yeah, of course, yeah. But when you move, like even I've kind of tried, yoga has never been something that I, Mm -hmm. Like I like CrossFit, so yeah. I'm kind of the high intensity yeah. stuff. But yeah. I've kind of done a bit of yoga recently, and I actually really like it. Yeah. And I remember I did a class with one of the girls. She's brilliant. It's so strenuous. I was sweating. I was really? like shaking. Yeah, and I'm so. But my body felt so great afterwards. Yeah. So it's kind of I'm trying to incorporate different types of exercise yeah. as well, not always the one. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to walk. Yeah. You know, just to yeah. get out earphones in, podcast or yeah. audiobook and just move. Yeah, of course. It's like all you need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yoga for me is always something I always think I do for my head. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's full of stretching and yeah. you're definitely going to feel yeah. so much better from it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know what else I wanted to talk to you about? The whole, like, Instagram, because that's basically where we're living right now, social media, mm -hmm. and the photoshopping and mm -hmm. editing of photographs and these body images. And of course, like, you know, we're you know, bums are full of fillers and yeah. I mean, like, I like to think that I'm not affected because I like to think at this stage of my life I'm beyond that, but I am, of course, the mother of two young girls. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping by the time they are teenagers that we'll all be gone as well, there'll be something else. Yeah. But, like, for you, let's say, even with your clients who've got issues with food already, that is a really hard pedestal to look at mm -hmm. and watch that platform, watch that really being abused. It's all lies, basically. And one thing I always do with them is we sit down, we do like social media detox. Okay. So like we'll sit down and we'll go through their social media mm. feed. And if if it's kind of filled with, with obviously, all the girls are still gorgeous, but if it's something that's going to make you feel badly yeah. about yourself, yeah. I'm like, this isn't going to benefit you, let's mm -hmm. unfollow. Mm -hmm. And we kind of fill their feeds up with, with people who are going to support their journey. Yes. So if you're struggling with your with your body image and your your um your mental health in terms of how you feel about food and repairing your relationship with food your social media if you're going to spend time on it needs to be somewhere that's going to support that yeah. or else it has the power to completely throw you off yeah so if i have a client that comes in and they're kind of trying to move away from dieting and from restricting themselves and and kind of only eating to change how their body looks they could go on instagram and after being on a really good phase of kind of moving forward and repairing their relationship with food and see someone who's oh, I'm on phase of my diet and I've lost this amount of weight and this is how my body looks, that is a power to throw them off completely. And they yeah. could, it could trigger that voice in their head saying, no, you need to go back to counting your calories or you need to go back mm. to restriction because you want to look like this. Mm. So to be able to, to, you can choose what you see on your social media. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always say, so because I had to do it myself. Oh, me too. Mine's yeah. full of wildlife photographs. Oh, and because dogs. leopards make me feel good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah. love a cheetah coming down a tree. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's so important because it's yeah. your energy. Like, you know, you could be having a really good day and then something could just majorly oh, yeah. piss you off. Yeah. And I know that's probably a sign of where you're at because I do believe if you're easily rocked, you're not in a good place, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. We're not always in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's important that, you know, you shut, these, these things have a way of coming into your home, into mm -hmm. your job, into your car, wherever you are, where you're safe and you should feel secure and you should feel happy and you're surrounded by loved ones. Yeah. And next thing just more posts can majorly piss you yeah, off and you can't help but compare yourself mm -hmm. yeah. and it, i mean it could even be like you know an ex-boyfriend with a new girlfriend yeah. it doesn't even necessarily have to be body image it could be yeah. looking at somebody getting engaged if that's what you wanted yes. and do you yes. know that kind of way yeah it is important that you love yourself enough to say yeah. enough of that already you know yeah. i think for the girls as well like talk to them about what they have on their social media mm -hmm. and like be open but like they're what age are the girls now? oh 11 and 9 yeah so they're kind of they're getting to that age yeah, now where yeah. they're like the teenage years for girls especially is mm. really, obviously for guys as well it is mm -hmm. but 
the body image struggles and yeah. the kind of the diet culture starts coming into it and, and social media has just so much information yeah. that if they're aware and just like no do you know like find pages that make you feel good like, yeah. do you want to learn about something like I always say to clients like they're so interested but learn about nutrition so like here's a lot of pages that are brilliant evidence-based mm-hmm. information they'll give you tips and tricks and mm-hmm. recipes and and positive things instead of following all the the bikini photos that are yeah. going to make you feel like you have to diet all the time yeah and yeah it's, it's going to make the journey so much harder for you oh you absolutely know? and i think if you're like that it, it, with anything in life if you're looking sideways the whole time at other people's journey and not focused on yourself you know i think it's so important to love yourself mm-hmm. and even nutrition is part of loving yourself yeah. because it's what you're feeding yourself yeah. and you know in in being mindful and respectful of what you're feeding yourself and taking care of yourself mm-hmm. with that yeah you know, you'll reap all the benefits, not just how you feel, but how you look, yeah. how you see yourself. Yeah. And it's also about like digging deep and finding some self-compassion. Like I always say to clients when I have them in, we kind of talk about a child as an example. So say if you had a young girl who, say your daughter, you mm-hmm. brought her and she was getting a dress for mm-hmm. an occasion or something, a birthday mm-hmm. party, she comes in, she's like delighted with herself, she loves it. Mm-hmm. And you turn around to her and you say, I think you need to lose a bit of weight before you wear that dress. You'd never say that to a no. child. So why is it okay to always say it to yourself? Yeah. Like you're guaranteed that you've looked in the mirror so many times and said, oh, you know, you, you shouldn't be wearing that. You're yeah. not skinny enough. You're not. Yeah. And it's about that awareness of our, our inner dialogue, how we speak to ourselves. Yeah. Because that also has the, the power to change your journey as well. Yeah. Like if you're always yeah. beating yourself up and telling yourself you look awful. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. And I, I know it's also difficult to, like, you can't just say to someone, oh, you need to tell yourself you love your body. It's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Maybe switch how you see your body. So, right, my body does a lot of things for me. Like mm-hmm. it, it brings me to work every day. Mm-hmm. It, like it gets out of bed. It's yeah, not just absolutely. about how it looks. Yeah. So maybe change your focus from that. Because mm-hmm. I know it's really difficult. I know I don't think I'll ever be in a place where I'm like, Jesus, I love my body. Yeah. Like For women, I think our vulnerability. I was listening to, have you listened to Brene Brown. No. Her her job is like research and um, vulnerability and shame. And she's like, everything that comes back for women is their main vulnerability is their body image. Really? It's, every woman is affected yeah. or is conscious in some way about their body image. Yeah. And the way we speak to ourselves and, and compare ourselves to other people can, can really make that a lot harder. So try and shift your focus away from your body is amazing. It does so many things. It keeps you moving. It brings you to work. It allows you to to witness things with your family and experience things. It's not all about how it looks. Yeah. You know, like yeah. your body lifts weights. Yeah. I think about it. Yeah. Like I cool. think the most empowering thing for me was bringing life into the world. Yes, that's it nice. is like, you know, it just made me so proud to be a woman. And I genuinely felt like a superhero yeah. the day I gave birth. Like, and I was just looking around me at these mere mortals. And yeah. I felt like I was just brought this beautiful human into them. the world. Made them, literally. Yeah. And you know, sometimes I even say to Grace Neymar, you know, they fall. I'm like, you take better care of that leg because that's mine. I grew it in my tummy. Yes, yes, <laughs> and you know, there's yes. that right of ownership you have. And yeah. I want them to realise, like, you know, they have that ability too. Yeah. And, you know, and... I guess that's all part of being a woman because that is something we have exclusive as opposed to being a person. But it is about that, that respect and realising what a power horse your body mm-hmm. is yeah. and what it's capable of. Exactly. And I hate to say it, but sometimes it, t- it takes ill health for us to have a oh, yeah. full appreciation yeah. of our body. Yeah. You know, when for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, if we can't get out of bed in the morning or we're sick or we break a bone and, you know, how debilitating it is. Yeah. Um, and that's a perfect example of you and your body 
putting aside how it looks mm-hmm. and saying, right, you know, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew a yeah. child. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I also have a really, really good friend, um, Karen, I know she won't mind me mentioning her. Karen came into my life in third class. I'm a very small circle, there's four of us, and mm-hmm. we're, we're the girls, but Karen's diagnosed with MS at 22. Mm-hmm. And then at 28, 28, 29, she was in a wheelchair and she has been since. Mm. So when I see her now, she is the most amazing, inspiring woman. She works, she's gone back and she's a trained counsellor. She volunteers with Samaritans. She lives in her own home. She drives her car. She is amazing. But like, it does make me realise, you know, she can't get out of bed and just walk to the bathroom. You know, she needs to be assistant in all those things. So even just that I can do that is enough to be grateful for, you know? And it's just it's enough motivation just to take better care of, yeah. of your body yeah. and like that, feed it what it needs. And, and if it's feeling tired and worn out, you know, Okay, yeah, to, to absolutely, you know, you to run that bath, yes. light the candles, chill out. You don't out. have to always be doing something, mm-hmm. or you don't have, like if you're exhausted, you don't have to go mm-hmm. to the gym. Sometimes you need to just mm-hmm. relax, mm-hmm. sometimes you need to just chill out and give yourself a bit of a break, and that's okay as well. Yeah, and I think that's something that social media as well makes us feel like we constantly need to be like. I've had days where I'm like, I've done loads in the gym, and like. The CrossFit program is really intense, and mm-hmm. I have a day where I'm feeling exhausted. But I go on, I see someone else go, I'm like, oh god, I should be going. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I don't need to go. I'm mm-hmm. really tired, and mm-hmm. I get, I should be able to just sit down. Yeah, like I don't Absolutely. need to put that pressure on myself all yeah. the time to be doing something. Yeah. And like life is busy. Yeah, and especially for like for moms and stuff as well. Like you have so much going on. That mm-hmm. Like it's okay that you don't have like no one's life is perfect. No mm-hmm. one's diet is perfect. Mm-hmm. No one is. Mm-hmm perfect we're going to the gym yeah it's about doing what works for you yeah. you know I think it's about being at a place in your life where you're happy mm-hmm. and that doesn't have to be what the scale says or what size your jeans are mm-hmm. and I think it's equally important if you're not happy that you also recognize well what can I do to change this yeah. you know yeah. and if it's a case that you feel that you're overweight well then maybe like we just spoke about start seeing why are you eating excessively mm-hmm. if you are, are you comfort eating yeah. take up different habits and then also of course if you're like you know i'm not the skinniest i've ever been i'm not the fattest i've ever been but i'm just really really happy with where i am yeah. and to recognize that yeah and we were talking about that when we mm-hmm. were organizing because i had said that i was only talking to my partner but i bought lovely clothes to go to spain last yeah. year and i loved them i was like i'm gonna bring them away this year and yeah. put them on and I tried them on and I was like, not one thing fit. Like, none. And for a split second, I kind of went into it. I was like, oh, God. And I was like, no, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Like, your, your relationship with yourself and food is completely different this year to last year. Yeah. And despite being a completely different dress size yeah. and, and everything else, I'm so much happier. Yeah. But it's a lot of work to get to that place where it doesn't matter as much to yeah. me that I'm not yeah. the, 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 the so society's ideal size or, yeah. saying, obviously, like, I'm very lucky. Um, yeah, to be of course. And I completely acknowledge that. But to, you get to a place where you can have a bit more freedom. Like, yeah. give yourself permission mm-hmm. to eat and give mm-hmm. yourself permission yeah. to to not you don't have to be yeah. perfect there's no such thing I remember when when I was very lean and lifting a lot of weights and competitively lifting I was also simultaneously trained in jiu-jitsu so I was burning a huge amount of calories I was my body was rock solid yeah. certainly not rock solid now but I actually really enjoyed watching it getting softer yeah. and I was like like you know when I'd walk I'd feel it move more and I actually love where I'm at now I'm, I'm definitely a dress size b- b- bigger than I was the only thing I could say that's slightly is it's like oh god do I spend all that money on a new wardrobe <laughs> I'm just like crap yeah, yeah. Um, but like if I thought I could adjust the dresses to fit me yeah. that's where I that's yeah. perfection for me because 
I just feel like I love I love my curves. I love yeah. um, I love being comfortable. I, I I just it's just I just feel really really happy, and I'm certainly not at my leanest. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like when I was very lean, I was having a lot of fun too. You know, I loved doing my jiu-jitsu and it was it was something I needed at the time. My personal life, I had a lot of stuff going on. I'd lost two parents, and relationship broke up, mm-hmm. and I had to throw myself into exercise yeah. for my sanity. It, was your it really was my yeah. self-care, and as a result, I just got this um, body that was very very solid. Yeah. You know, but it it was never something that I, I it wasn't about that wasn't my destination yeah. no my yeah. I was just trying to yeah. um get through a situation but um one thing I will say to you is you're not, you think like oh if I was a size 10 I'd be happy or I don't know if people think I was size 12 or size 14 I'd be happy or some people think size 6 the happiness is not at those they're yeah, not the bus stops yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. I think sometimes you find when you're there like I was there and I and I knew I was as lean as I'd, I'd ever been I knew those times in my life I wished I was that lean and I think I was like it's it's no yeah like yeah, you yeah. know it's it's no yeah. big deal nothing's different yeah I know I know and I saw a thing on Instagram as well it was um, Gary um, again he put up a post um, he's a personal trainer and I did a program with him but he put up a post and he's like your body is the least interesting thing about you yes you yes that's so true so much more to give than what you look yeah. at no one cares no one cares no. <laughs> and like you've so many different markers of health like your fitness levels your, yeah. your blood results how's your cholesterol yeah. your vitamin levels there's so many different aspects that are more important than yeah. the weight on the scales. Yeah. You know? And you know, even that sometimes if you meet people, if you haven't seen them in a while, and maybe they're conscious of their weight, they've probably put on a few pounds, they think it's all you see. Mm. And they may even bring it up. And you're, yeah. I just feel like you're gas. Yeah. That wouldn't have even entered my head. Exactly. Like, I'm more wanting to know what's going on in your life. Yeah. Or, but it's you know, our own inner dialogue. Yes. It's that voice. It's like, oh, you've put on, you've put on weight, you need to change it. And we're constantly critical of how we look and, yeah. and that does stem from external circumstances where we're looking at other people and feeling like mm. oh god should I be losing weight do mm-hmm. I need to change mm-hmm. how I look I'm not that size that society says I should be mm-hmm. you know and, yeah. and, and like you can still incorporate health behaviours and stuff regardless of your size mm-hmm. like you can absolutely and still be very very healthy yes. and yeah. I think you know if it's a case that your genes are getting tight or whatever buy new genes yeah. It's not your job yeah, to fit them. Exactly. You know, you don't need this constant reminder that you've put on a few pounds. Exactly. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in it, as women, our, our bodies are going to change over a lifetime yeah. anyway. Yeah, and that's it with puberty and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. With, with kids as well. Like, kids are, their bodies are changing all the time. Mm. Like, and I know we were talking about the, this new Weight Watchers app mm. and, and the fact that it's basically a diet for, for children. Yeah. And like, that's the most damaging phase. Like as adults, we have a choice to opt into diet culture. Mm-hmm. Kids don't need that. No. Like when babies are born, they're born with innate hunger and fullness signals. Like when a baby cries, like you know, a hungry baby, yeah. you know that cry. Yeah. It's like they, they need something to eat. Yeah. But they'll push away when they're full. Yeah, like they know they can self-regulate. They yeah. know what they need. Yeah. But as we grow up and external things kind of affect it, that's when the they can kind of move away from their hunger and fullness. Like kids are so intuitive. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard like a, a little child coming in and go, Mom, I'm going out to play on the road because I need to burn off the calories I just of ate. Course, yeah. you know, they move because it, it feels just, good. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, go, just speaking about kids, because I, I, my children gasped. Basically, um, they spent five years eating fish fingers and waffles. <laughs> very, very, very fussy eaters. Yeah. They are allowing mm. new things into their diet now. Gra- uh, textures are a big thing for them. Yeah. Grace, I can f- I can give her. I like color. 
that's I've this thing like if yeah. it's all the one colour I have an issue but if we can get as many different colours yeah. on their plate it's good yeah. I can give her a lot of raw food yeah. she'll eat raw carrots raw peppers cucumbers like her yeah. dinner would be steak cut up mm. no potatoes mine don't eat potatoes they yeah. just don't and that's fine because I might even boil some, if I feel I need to give them more carbs I'll boil some pasta or something yeah. Yeah. Um, Grace so she will eat a lot of colour raw and that's fine mm. um, but she does definitely have a thing with food, you know. They always have done. Um, she loves sugar. Mm. She will gravitate towards people. She'll like you if you're f- feeding her sugar, yeah. you know. Yeah. If she, if you're strict with her with food, let's say m- maybe if one of my sisters like, you can come up to my house, but there'll be no sugar. She won't go. Yeah. And like at a very young age, I remember going to my brother's house and she'd stand at the door and she'd be like, I'm not eating here. And before she'd cross the threshold, she just yeah. wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to have to eat a dinner you know yeah. I would always have fed mine before we would eat but I do think she's definitely addicted to sugar you yeah. know yeah. I can see her mood change when she knows the sugar coming and yeah. she's getting excited and all that yeah. how do we tackle that I think it's, just, it's the same as adults like okay. what I always say is is back to kind of the moral judgments around food and it's like in your house try not to have like good versus bad okay so obviously I know we don't want our kids to be eating sugar for breakfast lunch and dinner every mm-hmm. day but still try not to label it as something that's negative yeah um because kind of that fear around them the fear of deprivation when they finally get their hands on it, it's like well I don't know my mom's gonna let me have this again I'm just gonna keep eating it because it's like Robin that's so true and yeah. I see it with kids to come to my house yeah and they like they're in the girls' ears saying, "Ask your man for this, ask your man for that," because it's not in their house, exactly. even cordial. Like, yeah. but then they're like, "Of course, of course, they're going to be like, oh, well, I'm going to eat as much as I can yeah. now, because who knows when they're going to give me this again?" Which is not healthy either. No, and it's what I say. The first step is kind of removing the moral labels. So kind of call it play foods. Mm-hmm. Like they're play foods, like parties, and like don't have it as a bad food. Okay. Like we don't want kids to feel guilty for eating it or to feel like they're bad. Could, is calling it treats. You could call it treats. Yeah, I kind of like to, to kind of use the label so you have like your colours and stuff like growing foods. Mm-hmm. So it's like, right, these are going to make you feel mm-hmm. feel really good. They're going to make you feel, they're going to help you grow, concentrate in school and, mm-hmm. and get them involved. Would they ever be like into cooking with you or picking up their own food or... They've got, yeah, a little bit now as they've got older, like they like to make guacamole and stuff. Yeah, that's great because kids are going to be more interested in eating what they prepare. So okay, you can brilliant. get them to kind of... Even that's a really a good idea. Bits, like, right, I always bake hands? with them, which is probably wrong because no. that's making sugary yeah, treats. No, but they're still kind of interesting. Yeah, okay. You know? And kids love autonomy. They yeah. love to be able to make decisions themselves. Yeah. So if you say to them, right, what do you want for dinner? Mm-hmm. Allow them that freedom to be like, right, you know what? I actually want. It could be fish fingers and waffles, but kids will kind of balance it out over time. Okay. Um, I think that there's a lot of research around kind of the age of two where kids will kind of resist. A lot of change and you might have a case where it could be like peanut butter sandwiches for yeah. breakfast lunch and dinner yeah but there's yeah. only so long they'll eat them for and yeah. eventually they will broaden. it will pass yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and with picky eaters as well it can take up to 15 times introducing a new food for, for kids to actually try it so kind of put it out with familiar food mm-hmm. so if there's like a food you want to try and get them to eat like or maybe they just don't like potatoes but if there's something new you want to bring in put it on the table but with loads of familiar stuff yeah. so it's not like too overwhelming so they're not like what is all yeah. this I'm not touching any of this yeah. and don't pass any comments don't right. be like eat that because then they're, they're going to respond to you and be like oh, she's telling me to eat it I'm not eating that what I say to them is listen don't eat it guys yeah. but to be nothing else for the rest of the evening you know I'm like I'm going to leave a part there and in an hour if you're still hungry you've got your chicken to snack on because mine will say to me I'm done mm-hmm. and I know if they think there's something sugary coming up yeah you know they've even said to me Robin my healthy side is full 
but my treat side still has a vacancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, they will, my two could like achieve world peace yes. with their negotiations. Yeah. Like they've it all taught out, you know. And that's it. And leave it there and let them have the food if they're hungry. Like mm -hmm. they will eat it. But like I always say, don't panic if they're kind of sticking to the same things. Yeah. Like we all have different tastes and textures mm -hmm. that we yeah. like. Like for me, I love crunchy food. I like mild. I can't do spice. Yeah. But that's yeah. me. And then other people love like, could love kind of soft foods. And we all have yeah. different textures yeah. that we yeah. enjoy. And the girls probably yeah. have their own personal ones yeah. that they like. They really do, and they're great. Even as getting out, you shall have fajitas, which is new, you know. Yeah. But they're not on the same wavelength. So I am that mother who's cooking one dinner for one yeah. and one for the other. Yeah. I guess and just go with it. It's it's yeah. fine because yeah. there's nothing very complicated yeah. now. Like I mean, I would love. I have romantic notions of putting a cottage pie in the oven and everyone yeah. sits down to eat yeah. it. And um, but it could get to that stage, like when it kind of. Burns. I live in hope. Yeah. I do live in hope. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. all you can do. But the one thing I always say is what we try not to do and it can be so hard sometimes and obviously I don't have children mm -hmm. but try not to use food as a reward or as a bribe okay. because when food becomes that for kids they almost will resist everything else it's kind of like well I'm not going to eat the food you want me to eat if you're not going to give me the, the treat foods you right. know the kind of way they respond yeah. to your external yeah. um, opinions and, and, and things like that instead of their own internal and also that's me and I can recognise it because I mean mams will do whatever they can yeah. but that's me trying to control them with food yeah. and that's not Irish good either. As well. do you yeah. know when mams like finish your dinner and then you can have your dessert yeah. and the kids when, when left to themselves they'll eat as much as they need to eat to yeah. fill themselves up and some days that might be kind of little but the next day it could be a lot more yeah. you know like kids grow in spurts as well so they mm -hmm. could go through a phase where they're eating like a horse mm -hmm. and then they could go through a phase where they're just not as hungry as mm -hmm. they were but if you look at it over the course of time it balances itself out mm -hmm. like no one eats the same portions every day and the same variety of food like it fluctuates and that's okay yeah um but yeah, kids can be tricky trying to get them. Yeah. It really is. And then there's not only you're just trying to keep them healthy, but yeah. then you're trying also not to create bad habits exactly. for adults yeah. either, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing as well. I think it's great with kids to not have food as like an emotional thing. So if mm. we can try and get kids to realise that food is for, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. it, it, like I said, it helps them grow. It helps their mm -hmm. muscles. It helps them concentrate in school. Wow. And... Right. <laughs> and there's other ways that we can kind of deal with our emotions. We okay. don't have to always have food. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and it's, we could talk about it all day. Oh, yeah. So I think protecting kids. And then yeah. the one thing I will say about children as well, because it, it can really be upsetting. And I know there was times as the girls were growing up, but now as I look back, everything with children is transient. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll just have them and they'll slip into the next phase. Exactly, you know, yeah. so I know my fish finger and waffle stage definitely lingered longer than I would have yeah. liked, but they do slip into something else, you know. Yeah. Um, but going to meat, I want a lot of um, my clients had asked me about meat, you know, where do because I know it's very cool now to be vegan and yeah. it's definitely a lifestyle choice. Um, where do you stand on it? Do we need meat? Do you think? Again, it's down to preference. Okay. Like, I think as well, it's so important to remember that the label of a diet doesn't make it healthy. So you can have like a, be a vegan, but not have a healthy diet, just like you can be vegetarian and not have a healthy diet. Right, it's kind of, of the quality of your diet overall. Yeah, yeah. Like we can get most of what we, we need from plants. Like I would always say to supplement with a vitamin B12 if you're not having meat, because that's, that's how we get our B12. And often omega threes. Okay. If you're not having oily fish, mm. we need to get our EPA and DHA, mm -hmm. and like for skin and mm -hmm. so many other things yeah. we need our omegas. Yeah. But like, if you can have a, a, a large variety in a vegan diet, mm -hmm. it's perfectly, it's a it's a perfectly good option. And mm -hmm. um, I would say to make sure that you 
have done your research and maybe if you're not sure about what to include and mm-hmm. kind of how much variety to have to get mm-hmm. some extra help because it can be a big adjustment. It is and it's a big commitment, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. remember I went vegan a, a few years ago. It was For me, it was more of a... I think it was a way to restrict. Like I felt the pressure that the meat was really bad and that I had to okay. cut it out and and I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I had no idea. I hadn't studied nutrition. I okay. had just completely removed so many foods and I had this diet that was just plain. There was like there was no variety, there wasn't enough protein, there wasn't enough i I wasn't educated enough. So okay. I think it's really important to make sure that you know how to do it and make the transition slowly. Yeah. Or like sometimes being completely vegan can or can be pressure for people and they feel mm. really restricted maybe just have a few meat free days if you don't want to have as much very true like yeah. have vegetarian recipes like there's some gorgeous ones where you can have lentils and beans and stuff instead of your meat yeah. and it's a great way to bring up your fiber mm-hmm. um, but, yeah. and i guess like exercise if it's something you're passionate about and you yes, enjoy yes. you'll do it whereas if it's like i don't want to be vegan but the society tell me i need to be vegan yeah. and i hate it and now it's an yeah. effort yeah it's whatever works for you yeah like i don't think there's any right or wrong um yeah, just Another thing I wanted to ask you about intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How? What, what do you think of it? I I've done it and I loved I loved yeah. it. It's it makes you more mindful of what you're eating outside of your window. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. I mean, especially if it's it's definitely effective if you want to create a calorie deficit mm-hmm. because you have a shorter eating window, mm-hmm. so you're not going to fit as much food in. Yeah. And um, in terms of the benefits, like a lot of the studies at the moment have been done in animals. Okay. So there's some underway in humans at the moment. We don't have concrete evidence for like the the long-term benefits just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if it works for you, I mean, yes. I used to find it great when I was working shifts as a nurse because I'd go in in the mornings, I'd definitely have a breakfast mm-hmm. and I'd have dinner when I get home. Mm-hmm. But like in the middle of the day, chances of a lunch were kind of slim to none. So I had two massive meals. Yeah. And that was kind of intermittent fasting because I was having... What I'd have been realising. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it works for yeah. some people. But if you find that you like to have more regular meals, that's fine too. Yeah. No, yeah. it works well for me. I think when you're busy and you're working, it tends to... Because when you're really busy, the day's short and it yes. feels like you're only eight hours yeah. anyway. Yeah. And then I would, just when I was getting a few little bad habits, you know, of like maybe sitting there in the evenings and having munching and all the rest, it just made me more mindful. I think um, definitely though if you've kind of a history of disordered eating or, or binge eating and stuff, right. it's not something I it's would not healthy. go towards because you're kind of restricting and then if you're kind of have been in a period of restricting and then binging before, it can can bring in those habits again and, and kind of rock your relationship with food. Yeah. So definitely, but definitely it works really well for some people, mm-hmm. you know, like there's no right or wrong. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 Um, Okay, well, I think I feel like we've started, we've covered everything. I really enjoyed that chat, and um, we really did. And um, I think what I'm going to take out of it is, you know, with food and with nutrition, it is it, it is a lifestyle. It's you know not to buy into anything that's not sustainable or specific, and just to have a balance and a little bit of everything is okay. Um, Everything in moderation, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But ultimately, just to have a healthy attitude towards it, you know, to make healthy choices, not because you want to fit into jeans or because of how you look, but because you love yourself and yeah. self care is also eating well. Yeah, and to do what works for you. Yeah. Like just because someone else eats a certain way doesn't mean you have to eat that way. Yeah. You know, it's about finding something that you can maintain long term and about adding stuff in. Like, what can you add into your diet to make it? more pleasurable yeah. or more enjoyable or and often with diets I think as well we end up taking out foods that we really like mm-hmm. like I often like one of the biggest thing in clinic for me is carbohydrates where people come in and they're so fearful around them because 
a lot of diets will get us to reduce carbohydrates right. and I try and talk to them about the fact of fibre, like it's so important for right. like good health for for keeping our digestive system healthy. Oh yeah, we never spoke about gut health, yeah. gut, gut health yeah. even. So important. Um, I think at the moment why it's huge is because so many of us are stressed out. Yeah, stress plays a massive because you've got your, your gut brain axis. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is, like gut health, it's so, like there's so many things going on. Like we have trillions of bacteria and we're not born with them. Mm-hmm. So like you get them through birth, you get them through methods that you're fed, your environment. And that's how they grow and, and everyone's is different. So if you have a C-section versus a natural birth, the baby's bacteria are going to be slightly different. Um, like we know the probiotics, so they're kind of the good bacteria and we need them in our, in our body for our immune health and so many different things. But probiotics we know are helpful for if you're on antibiotics. So mm-hmm. antibiotics are brilliant like we need them for so many different things mm. but sometimes they can kill the good bacteria and the bad so it can be beneficial to, yeah. to supplement if you're traveling so things like travelers and um, diarrhea probiotics can be really helpful um, but so do they help with irritable bowel as well yes mm-hmm. exactly um so they can help sometimes with ibs and ibd mm-hmm. and there's so many different strains that there's not like a one strain that you could recommend for everything mm-hmm. it depends on the symptoms and it depends on the person mm-hmm. but like we can feed the bacteria we already have mm-hmm. and that's why i always say fiber is like yeah so important and yeah. your prebiotic food so your garlic your onions mm-hmm. your leeks that feeds what you have and helps them grow okay great yeah. i love the onion family yeah oh, i love it garlic yeah I'd eat it on me too and chives too i grow chives yeah. chives get dusted on everything Gorgeous. in my house eggs that's and that's feeding the bacteria you have yeah. Um, and fibre, like it's recommended that we have at least 30 grams a day. Like yeah. That's a minimum. And that's a lot of fibre. And we, we need carbohydrates to have the fibre. Okay. So that's what I try and teach teach clients is that it's we need carbohydrates and they're good for mm-hmm. our health. Like yeah. Your whole grains, your yeah. brown pastas, oats, um, fruit, vegetables, beans, legumes. And of course water too. Oh, yeah. For constipation. Yes. And, and yes. Is that big? I, I feel like it, it is a yeah. big problem. Oh, huge. Yeah. yeah. And especially with IBS, like you can have different types. So mm-hmm. IBS can be more towards constipation. Mm-hmm. So it's IBS-C or mm-hmm. we can have IBS-D. Mm-hmm. So that's more towards diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And if you're kind of more prone to constipation, fibre is going to be your best mm-hmm. friend. You need mm-hmm. to kind of be increasing yeah. fibre. And I find with constipation as well, moving. Yeah. You know, oh, to yeah. strengthen your internal yeah. muscles and really to get moving because when you move, everything inside yeah. moves as well and yeah. it just starts off the whole process. And that's always kind of one thing I ask my clients and they say to them, like, now we're going to have to talk about like, your number twos. Yeah. Like, it's a conversation we have to have. Yeah. It's going to tell me a lot. Yeah. And like, it, it does. It tells you so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah, like, we want to be having a bell motion every day and like, you need to be eating your dietary fibre to help that, drinking your water, yeah. movement. Yeah. Because, you know, I think sometimes people are just so busy, they're just not drinking enough water. And I know for me, when I say, right, I'm going to drink lots of water, I just spend it on the toilet. Oh, and yeah. I can't believe my clients every two minutes. Yes, like, I'm I just know. like, oh, forget that. Know, yeah. But no, it is. It is really important. I think the summer, maybe we drink more. and Yeah, and it's always, I always say it's a good, to, to tell if you're hydrated enough, look at the colour of your urine. You right. know, like we want a pale kind of straw colour. Okay, and yeah. if it's kind of really dark and concentrated, it's a sign you need to grab yourself a glass of water. Yeah. Because there's kind of a, a general recommendations of two litres. Yeah. But that varies, like if you're really active, mm-hmm. if you're not that active. Yeah. You know, so pay attention. I know to people with me would say to me, you know, with their skin. And yeah. I always say to them, it's not even that relevant. Mm-hmm. Because if your skin is to dry out by lack of water, you have so many other problems yes. going on with headaches, yeah. with you know your, your bowel movements, yeah. everything. Yeah. That Your skin is one of the last organs to suffer from dehydration yeah, because your water goes to every other vital organs. Like skin's not vital for life, others are. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, it's a, so I'm like, to look good, people will drink all this water, yeah. but to get bowel movements, they may not be yeah. as quick to, you know, and I think it's so important for it that reason. It is huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You want to be opening those bowels daily. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Robin, I think we'll finish on that note. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed our chat this morning. Um, so let us know exactly where we'll find you, Robin, so going forward. I'm on Instagram at the lifestyle underscore clinic. Mm-hmm. And then our website is www.thelifestyleclinic.ie. And you're based in Swords so, yeah. in North Kent, yeah. Dublin. In Prime Health Medical Centre. So it's a big practice. Excellent. Robin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. That was Skin Deep with Karina Tolan. Subscribe, like and share.